2: Hi, everybody. This is Josh Kennedy with the Black Moods, and you're listening to Hook Rocks Podcast with Jay Scott.
0: everybody once again it is another brand new episode of the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast i'm your host jay scott we are currently number 53 on apple itunes music commentary which is a huge accomplishment and i'd like to thank all of my listeners out there for the support and uh you know previous support present support and future support so thank you very much for tuning in and making this the show that it's becoming. And we still have a lot of work to do. We're also on Pantheon Podcast, the platform for music podcasts. So it's a great platform to be on, great family to be a part of. So we are going into the new year strong and excited about all the new content that is coming your way. Thank you again very much, and thank you for letting us be... The Escape for You, talking music, interviewing great guests, talking new bands. And once again, I hope everybody's staying safe and staying healthy during these crazy times. It's in the middle of winter. It's snowing out here in Chicago. We're just outside of Chicago, as is my next guest, which I'm honored to have on here. His name is Pete Dankelson, and he is Pete from Pete's Diary. What's going on, Pete? How are you? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing awesome, man. Thank you very much for doing this. I do appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks for setting this
0: up. You know, it's kind of funny. Probably about a month ago, give or take, Mm -hmm. my son starts talking to me. He's like, yeah, Dad, you need to have Pete from Pete's Diary on your podcast. I said, what's Pete's Diary? He's like, you don't know who Pete's Diary (laughs) is? And he told me all about you. And I guess your younger Mm -hmm. brother and him – kind of connect with hockey some, some kind of way or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's
1: funny. because yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. Jake was t- talking to me. He's like, Hey, there's this guy. I don't know how he knows him somehow through hockey, but he's like, yeah, he's, he's heard about, you know, Pete's diary and all that. And it's like, do you mind if I, you know, give him your Snapchat? And I'm like, sure, go ahead. So yeah. <laughs> that's kind of how that happened.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I've been, you know, following you ever since and just, it's amazing, man. I mean, you really, you really can play. And um, um, you know, I always loved the guitar. The guitar was the first instrument that, well, I should say, the second after piano. But <laughs> guitar is such a great instrument to for rock and roll for all music genres uh, in general. And mm-hmm. uh, you just do a great job with the songs that you play and the presence you have on social media, the positive presence. And we're gonna get into all that here but thank you again for being on the podcast yeah thank you so we always start the same way uh every time we have a brand new guest we always ask the same first question and that is the essence of the podcast just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in every rock and roll fan has a moment whether it's a song an album a band or performance that hooked them on rock and roll what Mm -hmm. was it for you
1: Let's see. Um, the thing that kind of pushed me over the edge. Um, for me, it was here in, uh I think back in black. Um, I think that was kind of the thing that pushed me over the edge. And I went, okay, I, I think this is what I want to do. Like, you know, it's like, I want to play guitar like Angus and Malcolm. It's Like, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to listen to. That's, that's what I want to be like. Um, that was kind of the thing that pushed me over the edge and kind of, you know, hooked me on rock and roll.
0: What was it about Back in Black? Was it the groove? Was it the lead? What was it?
1: Uh, for me, it, yeah, for me, I think it was definitely the groove. Um, and, you know, I, I, <laughs> I could go on and on um, forever about, you know, how much ACDC means to me and how much I'm, you know, how big of a fan I am of them. Um, but for me, it's definitely the groove. There's always something there with pretty much all their tunes um, but just get your foot tapping, and I love it.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the great things about ACDC is you can honestly say if you heard one ACDC song, you've heard them all. But mm-hmm. they're all awesome songs, and exactly, and yeah. they're not as easy to play as people think they are. No,
1: no, there's this whole dynamic. It's the dynamic between Angus and Malcolm. Uh, there's something really special there And something really tricky to replicate
0: Yeah, there's something Yeah, there's something really special there Especially Malcolm's rhythm guitar playing I mean, He plays like no other The way he hits the strings The way he, you know, just His tone is just, you know, mm-hmm. undeniable mm-hmm. Yeah, and he
1: hits that thing hard
0: Yeah, really aggressive So where did it go from there? From ACDC? What were some other bands that influenced you?
1: Um, I think probably the next album that really kind of pulled me in even further was Appetite for Destruction from uh, Guns N' Roses. We have
0: the, the debate frequently on my Twitter feed about which debut album is better. And depending mm-hmm. on what day or depending on what week, it's between Appetite and Van Halen 1. And it's always I, a- I Yeah,
1: I see, I see your uh, Twitter post and I'm like, oh man, that's, that's impossible because I I love both I love both albums so much, and you're you're right. It definitely depends on the day because I'm like, yeah, that, both of those albums are huge for me.
0: Um, yeah. <laughs> well, having lived through both of them, I was, I was, gosh, I was three years old when Van Halen one came out, but I didn't hear it till I was probably seven years old in nineteen eighty two and mm-hmm. I remember hearing it for the first time. I took the record out of my brother's bedroom and I put the headphones on because I instinctively knew that my mother probably wouldn't want me to listen to this. <laughs>
3: uh-huh. And
0: I, I put it on and I remember hearing Running with the Devil. And then I remember mm-hmm. and I and I was a you know, I was raised in a Catholic family, went to Catholic school. So this was like yeah. a huge no no topic. You know, anything that mentioned right. the devil was, you know, just unthinkable in my house, mm-hmm. and then I heard eruption, and I mm-hmm. couldn't, I couldn't imagine someone playing the guitar like this. Like I, I'm like, how is he doing that? Like that just sounds out of this world. Like it was incredible. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and then of course, being a teenager when Guns and Roses' Appetite for Destruction came out, geez, I don't even think I was mm-hmm. a teenager. I think it was probably preteen, twelve years old, and living through the rise of Appetite for Destruction. It's interesting how basically 10 years apart, both of these albums were so influential. Both of these debut albums that came from bands from the Sunset Strip. it's, It's a very cool dynamic.
1: Yeah, yeah. And kind of different styles too, which is really interesting.
0: When you're listening to guitar, what styles? I mean, obviously Angus, and you mentioned Slash, both mm-hmm. both are Gibson players. One plays a Les Paul and Angus is primarily known for the S G. Yeah. What what about the style of guitar attracts you?
1: Um, well I've always, you know, being a fan of guys like Angus and Slash, it's definitely kind of that bluesy rock uh kind of phrasing. Um that's just always been something that I've really uh enjoyed and kind of, you know that's that's kind of what kind of uh you guys know, kinda of pulls me into um I don't know, it's just something about it. It's not the the most technically challenging thing in the world. Like, you know, it's not like what uh you know, it it's not the crazy stuff that Steve Vice did, but there's just something there's something there that uh I don't know, it's just something there that really connects with me.
0: Well it's it's really it's not technical, right? I mean no one okay. no one will ever accuse Angus and Slash of being these technical giants in guitar but it's mm-hmm. it's more about tone and it's more about feel exactly yeah yep. are those is that primarily the style I mean you mentioned Steve Vai you know I know you you know have liked posts with you know about Richie Kotzen and you know obviously there's Eddie Van Halen what other mm-hmm. you know outside of Slash and Angus you know where does where does Pete's journey in guitar go to
1: um, let's see. I guess, um, actually, you don't see me play a lot of his style a lot, um, but EVH, I'm a huge, huge, uh, EVH fan. Like I've, I've listened to, um, and I've listened to all those Roth era, you know, the early Roth era albums, just, you know, front to back all the time. And I'm constantly blown away. And it's interesting too, cause, um, you know, you don't see me play a lot of the stuff that like, you know, stuff that kind of, uh, Eddie pioneered. But look at tunes like uh, I'm the One. You know, it's got that to shuffle. It's got that swing to it. It's got that kind of ZZ top, ACDC kind of thing going on. Um, and then you got riffs like uh, Mean Street. Um, and of course, like Unchained as well. Um, so it's like, um, uh, you don't see me doing a lot of uh, the technical stuff that Eddie's known for, but I'm hugely influenced by. Uh, kind of the bluesy side of his playing. So you try and look at a lot of these different guys and just see what you can kind of pull from them and uh, be inspired by. And that's always really fun to do.
0: Yeah, what's really interesting about Eddie, and I don't think a lot of people talk about it, is he's a fantastic rhythm player.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I I talk about this song all the time. Uh, I'm the one. I think that's such a shining example of that.
0: Well, I'm the one, in my opinion, embodies the whole... Van Halen swagger. You know, it's got yeah. you know, David yeah. Roth, you know, this caveman type style singing. And Eddie is just on fire on that song. You know, not not the song on fire, but but he's just <laughs> he's just playing incredible. And then in the middle of it, you've got this barbershop quartet you know, right. yeah. you, you know, yeah. sing along. And then, you know, Mike Lanthony, of course, with the background and Alex is, I mean, if there's a song, I mean, obviously we know all the popular tracks, you really got me running with the devil ain't talking about yeah. love, but I'm mm-hmm. the one is the Van Halen swagger. Yeah. I, it, it,
1: yeah. I, I, have I've never understand why uh, people don't talk about that song enough. Cause I mean, when I was listening to that album, front and back for the first time, you know, I, I knew this hits like eruption run with the devil and talk about love. Um, but here on the one for the first time, that just completely blew my mind. And I'm like, this is, this is amazing. And also, um, I I listen to this all the time too. It's um, on YouTube. You could search up uh, the isolated guitar track of on the one and just listening to that, you know, from start to finish. It's, it's really impressive. It's really, really cool
0: that was such a defining moment in musical history because nothing before that ever ever came close to sounding like that. And right, I mean,
1: <laughs> that album, I mean, I guess it basically kind of gave birth to the, you know, it, it basically created the bar for what the 80s was going to be, uh, guitar style-wise. St- That's kind of the thing that really uh, amazes me every time I hear it.
0: Guitar style-wise and just the stage presence, you know, the, 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 upbeat, mm-hmm. you know, intensity that they had, you know, David Lee Ron yeah. talks often about the drum beats that were so many, I forget how he explains it, but, but you could dance to their songs. And yeah, it, yeah. Was, yeah, it was so important because it, it brought girls into the club, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, I guess he was, he was very forward thinking in that, you know, because that music primarily exploded because of the female audience. The other thing about Van Halen, too, is being a single-line player, which means he goes from rhythm into lead, back into rhythm seamlessly. He's got Mm -hmm. incredible timing, uh, incredible feel.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, uh, I think Main Street's kind of a cool example of that. He does that really cool kind of, uh, I don't know what you call it, that kind of slap harmonic intro thing. And then it goes right into that... uh,
0: right into that riff what about guitar for you obviously we talked about back in black acdc but mm-hmm. what about the guitar and the instrument attracted you to it like you know once you heard back in black and you heard the groove and everything obviously there was that influence there but it's one thing to hear it and then there's another thing to play it and feel right. it, you know feel that in, you know feel it in your hands and you know having the strap around your neck it embodies a spirit. What What was
1: it for you? Um, there's something... Man, it's kind of hard to describe, but there's something... There's kind of this powerful, emotional feeling of being able to... For me, the guitar has always been a, about emotional expression. You know, there's just something... There's something to it that you can there's something about the guitar that speaks in a way that, um, a voice can. And that's always kind of a stuff that I've been fascinated by. Like he should have these kind of sweet, you know, BB B. King kind of sweet bluesy leads lead, lead lines. And then you could have, you know, this crazy Eddie Van Halen, you know, eruption <laughs> type thing going on just the dynamics of what you can do with the guitar. Um, for sure you know that emotional expression i've always been um amazed by it. and and really that's kind of the thing that i love the most about it
0: yeah it it really does act as an instrument for mm-hmm. you, for your journey right i mean you have the ability to play how you feel you know if you're having a bad day you your tone is reflected on the day that you're having if you're having a good day it's it's reflected if you if you are being influenced by something that, you know, it has a different maybe color or shape to it, your playing will be influenced by that. It really does have a way of speaking for whoever's playing it. Yeah, it
1: it really definitely does.
0: I imagine too, during these times, you know, with the pandemic, it's been also a tool for, you know, for you to escape. You know, to get away from the monotony, to get away from all the craziness that's, you know, out there in the, in the real world.
1: Yeah, especially when, you know, the first few months, kind of the the spring, um, especially in the spring when all this stuff started. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. That um, the, those first few months, I really just kind of took the time. You know, because before that, it was always, you know, on the go, always doing, you know, you're always up to something or, um, you know, a gig to get to or something like that or, you know, playing somewhere. Um, whenever she just kind of went quiet, it was kind of, uh, you know, tried to make the best out of a tough situation and really tried to hone in on some fun new songs and techniques and really try and uh, just kind of visit some stuff that I hadn't really had the chance to before. Um and it was good for, like, I guess I was kind of lucky. I was good for, like, a couple months, and then it's kind of, like, getting antsy again and kind of like, okay, I want to get back to playing for people now. Um, and, I, you know, it's, it's tricky because you do have, um, you know, good days and bad days. It's it's tough to try and balance it out. Like, um, you know, some days you could have a, you know, you could be on, like, a songwriting or something and everything's really coming together of trying to come up with something or practice something. And then the next day, you know, you don't pick up their guitar until like really late at night and play for an hour. It's, it's, it's interesting for sure. Yeah. I've always
0: found with my son that it's really hard to get him to stop playing. Like when it's time time for bed, it's like, all right, Uh you got to go to bed Mm -hmm. now. And he just, you know, he just keeps playing and, (laughs) You know, have you found yourself being more creative during the pandemic? Have you found what's been inspiring you during this time?
1: Um, well, I think the big thing, um, I I, said, I've really been trying to hone in on besides trying to, you know, learn new, um, licks and tunes and stuff. I've really been trying to dive into songwriting a little bit. Um, and you know, just kind of uh, jamming along with backing tracks and stuff on YouTube, some you know something might kind of come out of that, and um, you know try and piece it together and record it in voice memos, so and then revisit it a little bit later and try and uh get an idea rolling. So I guess um trying to trying to put song ideas together is kind of a big thing right now.
0: Writing music is a completely different element than just than just playing guitar. How has that been a challenge for you? How, how have you enjoyed that?
1: Yeah, I, like I said, I haven't really kind of dove into songwriting until kind of recently. Um, and it's kind of fun because, I mean, I guess, um, uh, you know, kind of over the past few years, ever since I've been playing, I have, you know, I have tons of stuff and voice memos. And uh, quite a few months ago, I kind of started to revisit some of those voice memos, and, you know, trying to jam along with them and uh, <laughs> see if uh, they still hold up or not or, you know, you, you know, some stuff it's like, um, okay, this is not too bad of an idea. Let's see how it can evolve or, and eh, this isn't really clicking anymore. Not sure what I'm going to do with it. Um, it's been kind of fun to kind of go on that journey um, and, you know, still trying to you know, keep up with that. It's, it's neat.
0: Was there a song or, you know, a band or whatever that inspired you to start
1: writing music? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a, you know, it's always been kind of a, you know, the, the ACDC, GNR, that kind of thing. I want it to be like the upbeat rock, Um, you know, going back to what I was talking about to, you know the main reason why I fell in love with the guitar, kind of in the first place, was that kind of groove from from uh, Back in Black. I want to try and come up with those same type of, uh, you know, I guess, kind of foot tap and riffs. You wrote the song
0: "Can't Stop Staring." That's that's the first single that you released. It's a great yep. song. What was? Thank you. What was behind the lyrics? What was behind the song?
1: Well. um, Let's see. So I guess kind of starting it off guitar-wise, um, well, it was kind of fun because I really wanted to try and do something different. Um, I was doing a songwriting class with a uh, local school of rock, and um, I really kind of wanted to tra- take this opportunity to do something really different. I hadn't really done much acoustic stuff, and I hadn't really done much with a slide. So I thought, okay, this would be a fun opportunity to kind of dive into that territory and just kind of see what I can come up with. Um, and so I kind of came up with this, you know, standard blues progression, using a slide and an open tuning. And, um, I hadn't really done lyric writing before. So this was kind of a fun opportunity to dive into that for the first time. And, um, the lyrics to can't stop staring, um, come from me, uh, missing my left ear. I was born with a uh, rare, uh, medical condition called golden syndrome. And, um, I guess kind of the the easy definition of it is uh, I'm high maintenance and expensive, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm I'm missing my left ear. Um, I have some internal stuff too, um, but I, I guess I kind of decided to try and try and take the opportunity and write some lyrics about what it's kind of like missing missing an ear, and I think uh, the lyrics kind of reflect that pretty well.
0: I believe. Paul Stanley has the same condition too, right?
1: He, he does. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, not too long after I picked up a guitar, um, I think it was my mom who said, Hey, I, somebody said something about Paul Stanley from Kiss the other day, this and, and here, did you know that? And I'm like, no. Um, and she said, uh, I don't know. Somehow I, I got his book. Um, and I read through the the, the whole thing, and I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, but one of the things that stood out to me in his book that I really got a kick out of was um, he said something uh, kind of along the lines of uh, when he was little, he put his um, I guess it would be his uh, bad side up against the stereo, and he could feel like the bass vibrations and you know the vibration of the speakers. You know, they vibrate that that bad side. Um, and, it, and I just thought like. It was so funny because during that time, before I got um, my hearing aid, uh, my cochlear implant, I would, you know, when no one was home, I would have my phone speaker. I would have my phone. I'd turn up the volume all the way and I'd angle it so the uh, the speakers on the bottom were, you know, on my bad side and I'd listen the exact same way. So I just thought it was uh, kind of funny and really cool that uh, he kind of did the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so I, I just I just thought that was really neat, kind of seeing um that somebody else like me, you know, could do it. You know, they could play guitar and um, you know, write write great songs. Um uh, that, that was really inspiring to me. Uh that really motivated me a lot.
0: It's amazing the technology advances that have been made with the cochlear implant. My father has a co- cochlear implant and mm-hmm. he's he's completely deaf he lost his hearing in 1989 uh, when I was in eighth grade mm-hmm. and back then there was I think one channel and you know the the, the surgery they would in, they'd put the microchip in the bone you know in your in right where your ear would be in and, and, and over there and then they would have to you know magnetically connect and then yes. you have to wear it like in this shirt pocket and it was it was really bulky. And, you know, every so often, every few years, some new technology would come out and he would, you know, got a device that was three channels and got a device that was like eight channels. And, you know, it was different pitches and different, you know, sensories where you could hear and pick up different things where, you know, now he's able to use the phone. He's able to he's able to talk on the phone. It's it's just amazing where we've come. And gosh, that's what, uh, 30 years. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, the the hear yeah no I I have a cochlear implant too, and um I mean the thing <laughs> I guess the thing that was kind of the selling point for me wasn't the fact that it helped me hear better, uh, but the fact that I could connect to my phone with Bluetooth. I just thought that was so cool, and um I mean you know being a musician it's great because not only can you take phone calls through it but uh, you can listen to music through it as well, which I use all the time. It's great.
0: That's fantastic. That is that is really something.
1: As far as, you
0: know, having the condition that you have and, and, you know, writing the song that you did, you've also been, Mm -hmm. you know, a a very positive force, you know, in overcoming, you know, the challenges that this may have given you. What has that been like? When, when did you realize that, you know, with your social media presence and all the TikTok followers and all the things that you're doing, all the great things that you're doing, that you were Mm -hmm. becoming a source of inspiration for a lot of people?
1: Yeah, the the social media thing is, is really interesting because I mean that kind of started because of quarantine and you know the the pandemic and all this stuff too. Um I, I guess uh the main thing, uh, that the the social media stuff is is called Pete's Diary. And I guess kind of uh you know, going into the history of it and kinda how the whole thing started, cut quite a bit of the story too. Um so I guess with Pete's Diary the whole thing kinda started with uh, well, when I was born, um, when I was born, um, I had to stay in the NICU for quite a few months. Um, so the, so, you know, I, I was born in 2000, right? So, I mean, I think Facebook was probably in, you know, the baby stages, right? Social media wasn't really much of a thing at the time. Um, so, so the main way to keep my family updated on what was going on was, uh, I guess mom would send out emails. Um, to all my family members and she'd kind of write these, uh, diary entries and she would kind of write them in my voice and kind of say like, you know, what was going on that day? What specialist I was seeing, what, you know, surgery was coming up or, you know, you know, what, what, uh, what was going on, um, that day in my crazy life. Um, and then, you know, eventually I came home and all that and she kind of stopped writing the diary. Um, but um, it, it kind of came back when, um, let's see, um, I guess um, it kind of started when a mom was speaking. She would, um, let's see, she would um, speak to the children's hospital that I went to at, like, faculty meetings and stuff. And I'd kind of taggle on a bit and kind of, you know, sometimes I'd, um, I don't know, talk about something. Um, I don't remember what. Uh, what it really was. I I was really young, but eventually uh, it kind of evolved into me telling my story to, to middle schoolers a little bit. And um, I guess the quote, um, Oh man, (laughs) it's it's a bit of a crazy history, but um, you know, we started speaking with middle schoolers um, sometime down the line and um, I'd share my stories with them, you know, share my life story uh, with them and what I've overcome um, and, and basically, you know, the, the main thing, uh, with, was seeking to these for is, um, you know, tr- try to motivate them and inspire them to be the best version, uh of themselves that they could be. And just kind of hope they, they leave, um, the assembly with a bit of a different perspective, um, for how people are, um, and, you know, hearing my story and stuff. Um, and then when I picked up the guitar it got really interesting because then the two things kind of merged. It would turn into me telling my story, but then it also kind of tells my story of how I found my passion for music and how that kind of really, um, really motivated me. And, you know, really kind of, you know, how this whole kind of new uh, side of me um, kind of came out. So it was, it was really, really, it's really cool. And I mean, we we've spoken to middle schools. We did like a, we used to do like a week long stay in California and speak to those folks out there. Um, and you know, we, we did Skype calls and stuff. It, it was, it was a lot of fun, but then when, uh, when everything with the pandemic hit in March, you know, it, everything kind of came to a standstill. So we kind of started doing some more stuff on social media, like TikTok, Instagram and all that. And, um, and it's, it's wild how much it's grown. It's, it's pretty crazy.
0: Well, I'm, you know, first to witness it here, too, with my son, you know, who mm-hmm. basically said, Dad, you got to get Pete's from Pete's Diary on your podcast. And, you know, he's been a fan of yours. And and I think what's incredible about your story is being able to embrace the person you are and, mm-hmm. you know, realizing that people are going to act certain ways, or going to do certain ways, but always embrace who you are and be true to who you are and, you know, overcoming, you know, the challenges that one faces, anybody faces, you know, Mm -hmm. is part of your journey. And, you know, sometimes you can't, you, you certainly can't change with, you know, anything that you have no control over. You can just choose to lead the path and lead the journey or go into the journey that you want to do and do the things you want. And that's sounds like you're doing that. Mhm.
1: Yeah, it's it yeah, it is. I mean it, it is a bit tricky sometimes. Um you know, you, you do get um some nasty comments sometimes. Yeah. Um but I, I don't know. There there's more good people online than bad. Um so it's, just, you know, and that's kind of the same thing in life as well, you know, sometimes you'll get some I don't know, maybe maybe a Rude glance, or something, or you know, someone says something of it, you know, um, nasty, but there, you know, there's always going to be someone to help, uh, you know, there's always going to be someone who's got your back.
0: The positive um, always outweighs the negative, and yeah, you know, exactly. The one thing that I've learned is people that make these comments on social media, they would never, or most people would never say those things to, to people, a, a person's face. And, you know, people hide behind a keyboard, they, you know, they do the keyboard warrior and and, and whatnot. But Mm -hmm. when it comes down to it, you know, it it doesn't matter who it is, they're going to say something nasty, because that's just how those people are. But, you know, it it is kind of a shame that people have to act that way. Um, But, you know, it's just, you know, everybody has to have a comment these days, everybody has to say something. And, you know, it used to be that, if you couldn't say anything nice, you just wouldn't say anything at all and I, you know
1: <laughs> that, that's how I still try it. yeah right. that's how people do I
0: think most people are like that too you know I mean yeah um, it's just yeah I mean the internet just creates a lot of I don't know even what you call it you know I, I stopped reading the artic- the comments in you know news articles just because it felt like any anytime I got sucked into reading those comments it was like the end of the world it's like man. Oh, yeah. There's people like this that actually live on planet Earth that are just walking around breathing the same air that, you know, that we're breathing. It's just incredible. Um, Right. but But even so, you know, having a voice like you have and you've developed, right, a voice that, you know, people do look for towards inspiration and positivity, that has to be empowering for you, too, to know that you are making a difference and that you are doing something that can help someone else that maybe isn't feeling the same way that you have or are able to overcome or hasn't found that inspiration to overcome yet?
1: Yeah, I mean, some of the messages I've gotten, too, from from people saying how, I mean, you know, there's there's some of the stuff like, uh, you know, I'll get messages from people saying, like, you know, I haven't played guitar in, you know, how many number of years, and I just started playing again. You kind of, you know, help me find that spark again after watching some of your videos you know as a musician that's huge but then you also get comments from people that uh you know that may have been born with a you know golden heart syndrome or you know something else um and they kind of say something like hey you know what you're doing is fantastic um you, you have no idea how much it's helped me just you know some of the messages and stuff and you know from parents to with uh, younger kids it's it's really heartwarming and it really it kind of reminds you too of uh, just how much of an impact you can have on people, and uh, how you know, I guess how important and special that is. It's really something. It's really cool.
0: Well, also, Pete, you have to realize too when you're playing, your the, the the your your face is filled with joy, like like it is pure joy. And going through what we've been going through with the pandemic. And, of course, mm-hmm. you know, protests in the summer and, of course, a crazy election that we had. Mm-hmm. You know, having someone like yourself that finds pure joy in playing a guitar and in music, because music really is or has the ability, and I've said this many times, has the ability to heal and has the ability to help people. And like you said, you know, give someone a voice or, or, or make someone feel something that they need to feel. Or a lyric can be something that can say something for somebody that they're unable to say themselves. So music is very powerful and when you see someone having the joy like yourself playing, it it does become inspirational.
1: Yeah, that I mean, when I kind of first started doing the guitar covers and stuff, it was interesting because, you know, you scroll on Instagram and you see people play. And it's like, you know, they they completely, you know, nail eruption or whatever it might be. But there's something, you know, the the um, the playing's fantastic, but the, the joy isn't there. Um, you know, the, the passion almost seems to not shine through. And, you know, with no gigs going on right now, it's, um, you know, when I do record a cover or something, I try and put in 110% and kind of create that feeling, you know, as much of that feeling as possible of playing live and kind of feeding, you know, kind of trying to give off that energy. I think that's such a big Big part of Playing the song It's as much about The energy and excitement As it is about Playing the uh, The actual song
0: And I You know Music has a way To also Move people in In terms of timing Right I mean when you discover a new guitar player that you maybe have overlooked in the past, or Mm -hmm. maybe you hear a song from somebody that maybe at first didn't resonate with you, but now all of a sudden it's connecting with you. It's almost like you're Mm -hmm. hearing the song for the first time. And that's another beautiful thing about music because with all the experiences that you go through and and the things you do in life. And as you get older, you are experiencing more things music then sounds different or a song sounds different because of what you've experienced. Have you found that to be true? Definitely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. There's definitely a lot of those moments where, you know, you might hear a song and you're like, huh, that's pretty good. And then you hear it a little later on and you're like, Oh, this is really good. Yeah. Those those are always really fun, fun moments to have.
0: I saw your video where you were playing Gary Moore, um uh, mm-hmm. the other day. And mm-hmm. I think it was was it yesterday or the day before. And Gary Moore is it's just a, is very underrated. It does not get talked about enough when people uh, yeah. talk about the greats. I mean, whether it's w- his work in Thin Lizzie, his solo work. You know, then he went into the blues. Um, mm-hmm. And and you nailed it. I mean, his tone is very recognizable, and it's <laughs> he's just a phenomenal player. How did you get introduced to him?
1: That's a good question. Let's see. Well, you know what? It might have been, excuse me, it might have been at first seeing some videos on Instagram. I've just some, uh you know, there's all these accounts that post these different videos um, of all these different guitar players. And one day I happened to come across a video of uh, Gary Moore playing "I uh, still got the blues. And the first thing I noticed immediately was he had these fast lead lines, but they were still, you know, very emotional. It it fit like it was. It's it's blues, but yet it's got that kind of 80s shred kind of thing going on. You know, it's it's blues, but it's fast and emotional, and that kind of drew me in immediately. Um, and so I I went on you know iTunes and found still got the Blues and listened to the whole album and I'm like, man, this is this is fantastic. And you know, through that I discovered more tunes like that, obviously like Parisian Walkways and. Kind of dove into more of his uh, um, catalog and you know went on YouTube accounts and found some stuff and he yeah I, I definitely agree with you and you when you say that he's uh, underrated he's fantastic whether it's within like like you said whether it's within Lizzie, um, his his eighties rock career or you know the blues reinvention in the nineties it, it's all fantastic.
0: Yeah, Thin Lizzie was a band that I was really late to the party with I, I've always enjoyed their popular songs, you know, when I was, mm-hmm. you, you know, younger, but I've really dove in, I really dove into their catalog probably over the last few years. And I actually read a mm-hmm. book on Phil Lynott as well. And just another band that really deserves more recognition.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, uh, let's see, it was quite a long, quite a while ago, but there was a cool documentary. I think I might've found it on YouTube. Um, It was just kind of like a bit of the story of the band and Phil and, you know, how Gary kind of came in and out of the band sometimes. Um, It was really good.
0: Yeah, yeah. What, um, in terms of the blues, you mentioned Gary Moore. Did that open up a a door for you with blues players or were you already listening to them?
1: Well, it's interesting because um, looking at someone, you know, um, like Angus, um, His style is very bluesy, and like um, they have a song off of Dirty Deeds called Rocker, and that's a, you know, just a straight up uh, 1, 4, 5, 12-bar uh, blues. Um, so it was funny. I kind of discovered blues through that, and I didn't even realize I was kind of discovering blues, if that makes sense. Um, but it's just kind of fascinating, because, you know, you find bands like ACDC and, zeppelin dnr and then you kind of start to you almost kind of do like this backwards uh discovery because you're like well okay i like these guys but who are they inspired by and then you find the stones and you know the Beatles, and that whole british invasion that british invasion blues explosion and then you kind of go back to that and find guys like muddy waters and then you go back and find guys like robert johnson so it was um kind of just this really fun discovery of just you know, um, mainly being curious about who who my influences were influenced by, <laughs> and then being influenced by them. So that was kind of a fun journey um, to still be on. I really I really enjoy that a
0: lot. You know, it's it's interesting you say that because growing up, I was always hearing the blues. You know, whether it was from family or neighbors, and then I saw the Blues mm-hmm. Brothers at a very young age. I think it was like five or six. Oh years yeah. Old. Yeah, and, yeah, and that really connected with me. And then I really started to get into the players like Magic Sam, who's a fantastic. Oh Chicago. yeah, oh, I love the brightness on his guitar tone. Um, yeah, and Otis Rush, I'm a huge fan of. Um, mm-hmm. Who else? Freddie King is one of my favorites, and of course, yeah, he's one of my favorites too. Yeah, and then Buddy Guy. I mean, no one bends a string like Buddy. I mean, he's just huh. yep. he's just uh, you know him and the him and Junior Wells when they would play together. Was just really, really great. Mm-hmm. As far as yeah. as far as what's next for you, you know, you mentioned about social media and mm-hmm. you know, you doing you know, inspirational speeches and talks with schools. What is it there that you haven't done that you want to accomplish?
1: The main thing that I'm really wanting to try and work on right now. Um, I, I've been working with a drummer, a uh, friend of mine, and, uh, we've been trying to work on some original, uh, material cause I, I really want to try and do that. I really want to try and do like a rock EP or something. Um, that's kind of the next really big thing I want to work on. Cause I mean, like I said, I've been trying to really kind of dive into songwriting a lot recently and, you know, expanding on old riffs that I may have written, um, And right now it's kind of more trying to dive in and learn, learn more about lyric writing. Um, So that's kind of the big thing right now.
0: Are you writing more about personal experiences or observations? You know, where do you get your, your inspiration?
1: (laughs) Um, Well, for lyrics, uh, I haven't really figured it out yet. I don't know. Right now it's just kind of more of trying to write, just (laughs) putting down random words into my phone that might come to mind and you know, maybe one day I'll take a look at it and see if something jumps out. But right now that's kind of a bit of a kind of stumped on that.
0: So right now it's more just trying to write stuff on the guitar. So more like structure and arrangements and stuff?
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that I mean that's really, you know, one of the things that is a challenge for a lot of people, you know, it's one thing to play other people's music, but when you're studying mm-hmm. an artist that you're influenced by, and the arrangements and how the song connects, each part of the song connects with with, with yeah. the other part. It's it's really interesting how that all comes together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really fun because then you start picking up. Oh, okay, they just did a key change here, and you know, just all that type of fun stuff.
0: And that really, you know, the hook. You know, the podcast that, you know, we started here, that was really the inspiration. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has that moment when that song just pulls you in, that hook. And, mm-hmm. you know, my son, who I talk about a lot, has all these CCR albums. And Oh, know, yeah. Yeah, we were in the car, and, he, and he's like, can, can we listen to some CCR and make sure? And I said to him, I've told this story before, this, these songs were made in the late 60s, and here we are in 2021, and you're 16 years old. And you're listening to it. I mean, that's remarkable. That's that's a great song.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, anything that can stand the test of time like that. I mean, you look at you listen to the Beatles and the Stones. There's a reason why yeah. those bands from that period, the '60s and '70s, and of course some in the '80s too, are regarded mm-hmm. or have you know are held in such high regard is because the music still connects with people.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, it's funny uh, that you talked about. um, you know, the the CCR albums, like, uh, let's see, quite, quite a while ago I was jamming along. It was some type of song off of uh, ACDC's album, Power Edge. And and my dad's a huge, huge ACDC fan as well. So, you know, we constantly geek out about them. But I was playing this, you know, really obscure tune. And he kind of (laughs) comes, he kind of comes downstairs and pops his head on the door. And he's like, my gosh, I haven't heard that song in, you know, Thirty years. Um, so that that was really. He was he was excited about that.
0: Was it down payment blues?
1: Um, I don't remember what it was. <laughs> Could have been. I don't know. What's your? Might favorite have been what's next to the moon. That's a good song.
0: What's your favorite song on Porridge?
1: Uh, I, I I mean every song on that album's phenomenal. That that's that's probably my favorite album. Um, that they've done. Um, <laughs> let's see. Besides every song on the album, um, I guess one that I'm I'm constantly just uh get a big kick out of is "Riff I mean, oh, just yeah. you know that that build up, and then you know when when the whole band kicks in with a, just that minute long um, jam, it gets me every time. I love it. It's yeah. such a killer riff.
0: It's such a great album. It was you know right before they you know, Mutt Lang was able to kind of like sharpen them and. Make them a lot more <laughs> polished, you know. On Highway to Hell, Powerage yeah. is such a great album, and I love Let There Be Rock. Let There Be Rock yeah. is you know my, my favorite ACDC song. Overdose is on Let There Be Rock. I love that. Yeah, tune. yeah, that, that is
1: a great tune.
2: It's yeah. so
0: raw. I mean, Malcolm and, and Angus are just you know that there's that one part where they start you know playing the riff in unison, and it's just like it's like yeah. wow, it's so cool, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's that's actually really funny that you mentioned that because I can recall hearing that tune. And you know with with uh with one ear, I haven't really gotten to appreciate much the dynamic you know really appreciate the dynamics that Malcolm and Angus has um for making you know two guitars sound like one big guitar um so I actually had like two speakers up and was kind of listening listening in stereo um kind of for the first time and that when that song came on and uh you know when they both kind of went into the riff, that really kind of knocked me off my feet. And I had a whole, you know, I, I loved the song before, but I had an even greater appreciation for the two.
0: Yeah. I mean, w- when Keith Richards says that Malcolm Young is the best rhythm guitar player ever, I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a heavy hitter right there. That Yeah.
1: that's yeah. That's pretty high praise right there.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, He's on the he's on the rock and roll throne or part he sits on a part of it, you know what I mean
1: exactly yeah,
0: they just had a new album come out this past fall what What were your thoughts
1: on power up uh, i was I was so psyched 'cause I mean when I first picked up the guitar, that was kind of towards the end of the rocker bus tour i mean that was kind of when things were winding down, and you know Axel was helping them out and finishing those tour dates so I mean, <laughs> I guess I kind of became a fan kind of, at the, you know, at that time, it was kind of a, it was, it was, a, you know, a rough couple of years, because, um you know, finish up those tour dates, and then, you know, once they disappear, they head off the road, you know, there's nothing from them, you know, no, you know, there's no news, <laughs> you know, none of them are on social media, so you, you don't know what's going on with them or what's up, um, and then, you know, a little while after that, uh, Malcolm passed away, and that was, really devastating um so i mean for those you know for the past couple of years it's really been kind of tough um to be an acdc fan and just kind of getting to watch and appreciate the excitement of you know them coming back and releasing the the, the new album um it's great to finally uh you know it's, it's great to finally see that they're back and uh sound fantastic yeah,
0: I was blown away by the album I know Rocker Bust Bust um, Was their Release prior to that And over the last mm-hmm. few albums Probably, gosh, it's probably been longer than that It's probably been the last 20 years Whenever they release something It has its moments But it's never Like a complete album, at least in my opinion And I always uh, regard- yeah. yeah, I always regard Flick of the Switch As their last great album And when i got Mm -hmm. when i heard power up it just every song was just wow like this is yeah this is so powerful and it's such a a great time to celebrate this band and the music during a pandemic because i think a lot of people connected with it because of what was going on
1: yeah yeah for sure and i mean i think the band kind of talked about this too you know, I think I think it was a great time to release it. I don't know because you know a lot of the fans were anxiously waiting, but just uh, I think Brian said in an interview, you know, just hoping to cheer people up, um, and that's exactly what it did for me. Yeah. Um I mean, I I'm, you know I jammed it, <laughs> I I played along with it so many times. I,
0: you know, I I was just amazed because I I knew the new album was coming out and I knew. The song "Shot in the Dark" came out. I think a day after Eddie Van Halen passed, and
1: then, well, that that whole twenty-four hour period was kind of nuts because, um, that well, the day after, yeah, the day after Eddie passed, um, they released "Shot in the Dark," and it was my birthday. So I mean, it was just like, <laughs> talk about an emotional roller coaster.
0: Yeah, and I didn't listen to "Shot in the Dark" because. I was still heavily impacted by the loss of Eddie because he was such a part of my childhood. and Yeah, definitely. I, I didn't want to have it, I don't want to say the word pollute, but I didn't want to have it negatively impact the new ACDC song. So I held on Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't want to listen to it. I'm like, let me just kind of get over, at, you know, the passing of Eddie, and I don't want to – I want to be in the right frame of mind when I listen to this, you know? and right. I waited a couple weeks and then I played it, and it was just wow. Like it was, you know, coming from that, you know, that that swing from that low point, you know, when Eddie Van Halen passed to this celebration of of rock music, which I believe is what Power Up is. Yeah. It's just, it it was just fantastic. It really was, like you said, you know, the album that people really needed at that point. Uh
1: huh. And I mean, just to go, you know, it it really is, um, a comeback album. I mean, I think that's kind of another thing that that makes it feel so powerful. It's like, you know, I, I, I always kind of knew, um, or, you know, at least, you know, stayed on the bright side that they were going to do something, but I know a lot of people were thinking they were done. So, I mean, you know, it it was, it's such a, for a lot of people, I'm sure it's it's a huge, you know, comeback album, that they didn't think they were going to hear
0: and especially because rock and roll has really taken a back seat over the last decade or and, and beyond. you, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard for a rock album to really connect with a lot of people. And I guess A C D C was that band to do it.
1: Yeah. I mean it's it's yeah, I right? mean the thing with um that I've kinda noticed is um yeah, rock might not be, you know, mainstream or, you know, in in the uh limelight. Um but I think there's still something that people really appreciate about it even though it's not mainstream there's still something that i think it it really resonates with a lot of people especially seeing a lot of young rock and roll bands kind of coming out um that are really you know listening to it you could really kind of feel that they're in it for the for the the right reasons you could really kind of feel that intensity that energy that i know there's there's something to it you can feel um I don't know, like Dirty Honey, Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. Um, bands like those, you could really feel something special there. Um, yeah,
0: I guess does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I mean, both of those bands, Dirty Honey, Tyler Bryant, South of Eden mm-hmm. is a great band. Joyous is a great mm-hmm. new band. I love, yeah. I love all that stuff. Those are two bands that really connect with you. The newer bands, Tyler Bryant, and uh, who else was? What was the other band? Oh, Dirty Honey.
1: Oh, dirty honey, yeah, yeah, um, let's see dirty is definitely yeah. and and Taylor Bryan have had a you know, I've really been blown away by them, but probably one of my favorites, um uh but you know um uh Jared James nichols, oh yeah. he's phenomenal, yeah. great, great player, yeah, and I mean, you know, I thought you know I had the chance to actually play with him in Chicago, uh and you know meet him and he's. Not only is he just a fantastic guitar player, but he really is a super nice guy. Um, well,
0: that was my next question. Do you go to a live, lot of live shows?
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when when there were live shows, yeah, yeah right? we used to go to a lot of like, Yeah, we went to them all the time. Um, like, um, Actually, I, I looked at um, like Facebook memories and stuff. A year ago, we saw Dirty Honey live at like a, just like a small... The ballroom in a, uh was that at the uh, Rock Milwaukee.
0: House? Oh, that was, oh yeah, in Milwaukee. I think that was at the, um, the Turner Turner yeah, Hall. Yeah, the Turner Ball. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yes, yeah. I think that's where we saw them. Um, and man, they they put on such a fantastic concert. And it wasn't like it wasn't like huge either. There weren't there weren't that many people there, but man, they 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 completely blew the roof off the place. They're such a. And I was I was really really excited about it. Uh, They're they're great, and um, actually we saw Alter Bridge too at the rave, Um, and uh, we saw Joe Bonamassa too, like right before everything. So we got to see quite a few shows before everything shut down, and thankfully they they were were all, you know, they were a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I I go up to Wisconsin a lot for for shows. You know, the rave is Mm -hmm. is a great place. I've seen. I took my son to see the Rank of Tours there which was just awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was yeah. an awesome show. I've seen Black Label Society there, probably. Gosh, nice. And if you haven't seen Black Label Society, I do suggest because that is just, it's just incredible. You can't even describe it. You know, Zach Wilde is just a madman, and the show is just crazy. I mean, just a great fantasy live.
1: Yeah, I mean, I haven't had a chance to see uh, Zach Lowe's live, but I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to keep. Well, whenever concerts come back, I'm definitely going to keep continually watching who's coming into town and trying to see if I could um, see him or not.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about all the money I'm going to spend once concerts <laughs> start coming back, and I'm like, oh, geez, you know, this is going to be crazy because I mean, I mean, there's so many great venues you know in in Chicago around I mean you don't live too far from where we're at but you know there's mm-hmm. there's Rock House in Dundee you know there's yep. uh you know of course the Arcada out in St Charles yeah. um, in fact yeah. he's opening up a new club it was going to open up obviously the pandemic put a pause on it but it's the old Explains mm-hmm. Theater where cuz I grew up mm-hmm. in Explains so the old Explains movie theater is going to be converted into a Theater where there's going to have rock concerts, which is really really cool. Nice. Um, there's the one in Juliet, the Forge, which is a little bit of a hall for, for people, but it's a great venue to see great bands. I think I took my son to see Diamond Head there and nice. uh, Tyler Bryant and Blackstone Cherry. Uh, we saw okay. there too as well. But yeah, there's so many cool venues. I'm trying to think of the other ones here in the air. There's so much stuff downtown too as well. Um, I saw Tyler Bryan again with Temperance Movement at Lincoln mm-hmm. Hall, which was a great show. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm 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 just Jonesing for for live concerts. I I the last show I was at was this band from Canada, which you need to check out because the guitar player is phenomenal. Their band called uh, Big Wreck. Oh, I th- I think I've heard of
1: them. Yeah, I think I've heard of them, but I I
0: haven't listened to them yet. Well, check him out. Let me know what you think of the guitar. Um, mm-hmm. I've had Ian Thornley on the show. Ian Thornley is the singer, and he also plays lead. His tone okay. is just so incredible. He makes all he plays all custom guitars, and mm-hmm. I, I, Pete, I'm telling you, you'll you'll love him. I'll check him out. Yeah, so check that. Let me know what you think too. Like, send me a uh, you know a post or whatever. Or put put on my feed. You know, what yep. you think of Big Rock, because I'd really be interested to see what you, uh, what you think of him. Mm-hmm. Are you also excited too about the uh, the Richie Cotson Adrian Smith album that's coming out, I think in March?
1: Yeah, I'm definitely going to get that to
0: listen. That'll be really neat. Have you ever seen Kotzen in concert? I have not,
1: but I've seen uh, Maiden. That okay, was a fun
0: show. Yeah, Maiden's great, but Cotson what he does with his hand, like, it's just, it's not even human. It's like how is he getting his hand to go like that on the fretboard? It's just amazing. It's just I've seen him so many times and he just blows me away. Whether it's with the winery dogs or his solo stuff, he's just fantastic.
1: Yeah, I haven't really dove that much into his style, but I've seen videos of him play before, and he's amazing.
0: Yeah, he's a great player. What what um, out of the new guitar players, who's kind of your favorite?
1: Uh well I guess they already kinda of talked about him a little bit, but uh Jared James Nichols. Okay. Um and I guess to uh Dirty um uh from Dirty Honey, Notto. John Notto I've really been getting a kick out of him too. Cool. And to think who else. Uh, yeah, I guess kind of yeah, I guess kind of the bands that I listed earlier, I've really I've really been enjoying uh, those guitar players a lot.
0: Awesome. Well, Pete, it's been a blast. Thank you very much for the conversation. I'm I'm glad we were able to finally have you on. I do uh, enjoy what you're doing and love watching you play and the joy you have playing.
1: Hey, thank you. Thank you for setting this up, and thank you for having me on. This was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, we'll have to do it again, man. You're welcome anytime. All right. All right, everybody. Once again, that's Pete Dankelson from Pete's Diary. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay warm, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you.